Jenna. And I'm Sam. And you're listening to Cincinnati Zoo Tales. All right, and welcome back to another episode of Cincinnati Zoo Tales. I'm Sam. And I'm Jenna. And today we have a very special guest. We have Erin O'Brien with us. She is the head keeper for our interpretive department here at the Cincinnati Zoo. And Erin, tell us a little bit about the interpretive department because you could do so much better than I could ever hope to explain it. Sure, so I take care of about 140 of our ambassador animals and we do a lot of the programming on and off grounds around the zoo. So back when we used to go off grounds, uh, schools and churches and events and things like that, uh, we used to go on the news a lot and we will again um, once COVID has passed us. And then we also do a lot of the appearances for things like spring break camp and summer camp. Um, and also a lot of the random animal encounters around the park. So if you guys have been to the zoo uh, or you both work there, uh, and seen our flock of flamingos walking around or walked, turned a corner and met a snake, then you've probably met one of the animals I take care of. So we're here today to speak with Aaron about one in particular. He is right up there with Fiona and popularity. We even moved his home so that you all could see him better. Rico the porcupine has a special relationship with Aaron, so she is here to tell us all about him and how fun he is and kind of focus on him, but we can also talk a little bit more about the interpretive department and the animals you care for, but mainly Rico, of course. My main man. And, and, you know, Jenna isn't saying this facetiously. Rico is one of the (laughs) most popular animals at the zoo, and we've got the marketing numbers to back it up, because whenever they post a photo of him on Instagram, Facebook, social media, the shares are outrageous for that little porcupine. Remind me, where did it start? Was it a home safari that he gained all of this love? Or was it before that and then that kind of took the scales? I think that there were a lot of local fans uh, before the home safari happened. And we had a lot of, of local people who got to meet Rico up close. We also had, you know, everyone in Cincinnati follows the Cincinnati Zoo Instagram and Facebook page. And we would occasionally post really good close-up shots of his nose Uh, and we got a lot of requests to give him things to eat and crunch on (laughs) and uh, people really loved to hear and see that and then we did the home safari and brought it to sort of a global audience and since then he has been one of the most requested animals we see around the park every day. There's Lady Gaga, there's Madonna, and there's Rico's nose. Like, icons. That's what I think in my book. It is famous, you know, every time the nose makes an appearance, everybody's like, I want to boop it. That's the first reaction. Yeah. You've booped it, haven't you? Every day. Yes. At least once a day, every day. How, how soft is it? It's very soft and squishy. Actually, one of my favorite things about it is that because they, they really do depend on that nose, uh, Prehensile-tailed porcupines are very scent-dependent. His eyesight, not so great. His hearing is okay. That sense of smell is really how he finds his way around the world. And so his nose actually wrinkles and changes in shape as he's trying to take in different scents. And so you can always tell when someone is like wearing a different maybe perfume or deodorant or just had a really stinky lunch. Uh, He is always like extra sniffy and the whole nose changes and and wrinkles and and expands and it's really cool to watch. That is really cool. I had no idea that it would do that. Yeah. And yes, you mentioned prehensile-tailed porcupine. Will you talk a little bit about that and also just maybe his natural history, where where he's found in the world, what he likes to eat? 
Sure, these guys are uh, also known as Brazilian porcupines. There are a lot of different kinds of porcupines that have prehensile tails, tails that they use like a fifth limb, um, kind of like a monkey, and there's a lot of lizards that have prehensile tails as well. But Rico is a Brazilian porcupine, and so these guys are found in South and Central America, pretty much anywhere you find trees. Uh, these guys definitely love to be up hiding in the trees for most of the day. They are nocturnal, so they'll only come out at night for the most part, and, um, and they'll eat just about anything they can find that is nice and crunchy. Um, much like myself, crunchy textures are the best. Um, and so bark and fruit and leaves um, make up most of their diet. Um, they have been known to chew on things like bones and antlers, um, mostly because they have those really, really sharp teeth that uh, they grow continuously like all rodent teeth do and so they need to wear those down. So you can find them chewing on antlers and bones and things like that as well. And that's also a source of calcium too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can get, they actually are, uh, it's not easy for them to find salt, so they'll also chew on anything that they get a little bit of salt on. Um, this happens occasionally with uh, North American porcupines will come across campsites and they love to chew on any sort of metal gear that you might have, especially if you've been sweating while holding it because the salt from our sweat uh, tastes really good to porcupines. Huh, that's interesting. And you mentioned that he is a rodent. Porcupines are in the rodent family, which a lot of people may not have known because they're so cute. And I think rodents get a bad rap, but uh, porcupines are in the rodent family for anyone who didn't know, which I think is, is pretty cool and you wouldn't necessarily think of when you look at them. Oh yeah, rodents have a huge family. There's tons of different kinds of rodents out there and they're all sort of grouped together because they have those really long sharp teeth that grow throughout their entire lives. Rico has actually lost teeth before. Um, he cracked one once by accident and uh, it grew back to full length in three weeks. Wow. Yeah, and which is, just goes to show how quickly they grow and how much he needs to chew to keep them under control. What do you guys give him to keep his teeth under control? Is there any special enrichment or is it mostly just his diet? That we give him, uh, he has branches all the time, access to branches if he wants to chew on them, but his diet uh, is provided by our excellent nutritionist here at the Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Garden. Um, and that has something in it called rodent block, um, which is a really hard... Uh, pellet that is good for him nutritionally, but it's also very, very hard to chew on. So it, it almost looks a little bit like brown chalk, and he just chews on it and he loves it, which doesn't look appetizing at all, but I'm not a rodent, so I don't know. <laughs> He's really like a good introduction animal to rodents. Like if you have somebody that's like, ew, I don't like rats, mice, you're like, what about Rico? And they're like, oh, okay, I like Rico. And you're like, ha, gotcha. Let me tell you a little bit more about the rodent family. Now, how did Rico come to the zoo? Has he, was he born here? Has he always been here? Yeah, so Rico um, is a native Ohioan. He was born at the Cleveland Zoo in 2016. So even though Brazilian porcupines are found in South Central America, um, Rico has always lived in Ohio. And he actually was raised by his parents um, on Habitat um, with his, uh, you know, on display for, for all of the guests up at the Cleveland Zoo. Uh, was never touched by a human until he came to the Cincinnati Zoo and we got him into uh, our building and started working with him right away and now he is one of actually the most touchable animals that we work with which seems strange to say I know. That's pretty amazing I think that speaks to your relationship with him which is one of my favorite parts about being a zookeeper is earning the trust of an animal and getting to do those special things that maybe like 
you would never recommend touching a hippo or a porcupine, but if you, in this very special, unique job, if you work closely with an animal, you can build their trust and then touch them, and that can help with medical um, behaviors or just the relationship, the trust that makes them happier, healthier animals in general. So can you tell us a little bit about that process? Like, I know you mentioned he came and it started, but like, what did you do? How do you touch a porcupine safely? How did you, how did you feel brave enough to do that? Yeah, so first of all, I will say very clearly to everyone listening, don't just go out and touch a porcupine. <laughs> that is a terrible idea for many reasons. For starters, they do stink real bad. Uh, and secondly, they are covered in quills. So you will always regret it if you go out and just try to touch any porcupine that you meet. Um, however, if you are a professional like I am, and you have uh, access to all sorts of treats and an animal who is nice and calm around you, you can build up to it. Um, I have worked with porcupines before and, and actually lots of rodents and have noticed that they really do love a nice massage. And so with Rico, it just started with making sure that he was really calm while I was feeding him treats and then I might touch the end of his tail that doesn't have quills on it. And once he was okay with that, I progressed to maybe touching his feet which don't have quills and then tickling his belly a little bit. And then eventually I got brave enough and he seemed cool with it. Uh, I started touching his whole back and scratching the skin in between his quills which he seemed to really like. Um, since then I have progressed to uh, ear massages. I go right behind his ears. Um, and I also do cheek and chin massages. <laughs> what uh, a which, lucky guy. Yeah, he drools. He, like, goes into this trance no when way. I do it. Yeah. It's a, it's a really special experience. Um, and, and you're right, Jenna. The bond between a keeper and the animals that they, they care for is the whole reason that most of us got into zookeeping, right? And it is one of the most special things we can get. And there's there's moments in time that the animal is going to do something that it is not sure about and you can tell it is only because you are the person asking them. Uh, Nothing is, feels better than that. Oh, <laughs> it is. It is the best feeling in the yeah. world. Makes up for all of the poop and things we clean up, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, the constant stink. Yes, absolutely. So what type of programs? I know you mentioned going to the news stations. Has he gone out to schools ever? Has he... Does he do weddings? <laughs> where, where has Rico been and where is Rico going? I'm working on getting Rico registered as an officiant so he can oh, start perfect. marrying people at the zoo. You know those would be booked for weeks and weeks and weeks. Oh, people <laughs> would get married, like fake married, yeah. just to be able to say they got married by Rico. I'm almost positive that state laws prohibit a non-human from marrying people, but I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. He'd be like, from the best of times and from our pointiest moments. So, you know, <laughs> work some worded verbiage in there. <laughs> yes, even <laughs> in sickness and in prickliness this, yes. and in health. <laughs> um, so uh, we have, we've gone on the news. So Rico is really good at indoor programs. He gets a little bit uh, overstimulated outside. And I can't blame him because it is a big, giant world out there. His eyesight, like I said, not too hot. So the smells that come in from outside can, can sort of work him up a little bit. So we've done lots of indoor programs. We've been on the news a bunch of times. Um, most of the news stations local to Cincinnati. And, uh, and most of what we do currently is on-grounds things. We did start doing occasional behind-the-scenes um, experiences with him. It sort of depends on, on what's going on uh, with our staff and, and scheduling and things like that. 
um, and we are gearing up for him to meet a whole bunch of campers this week at spring break camp, which should be a lot of fun. I think they will enjoy it. That's really cool. I don't know if, if that was, Porcupine was coming in my camp, it would be the best day ever. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So do you have a favorite moment with him or a favorite accomplishment? Do you do training with him? Actually, one of the one of my favorite moments with Rico is very early on in our relationship. So he was born in 2016, um, which is also my first year working at the zoo. And he was sort of my first big project. And we had him out in a exercise um, space that he, he could run around all day in. And I was trying to get him to move back inside for um, to his dinner, basically. And he refused to go. Um, he climbed up to the very tippy top of this enclosure, which was uh, way bigger than I, like way taller than me. I could not get to him. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to go get his, his favorite thing to climb on is just this wooden ramp. It's, it's probably about five feet long. It's just a plank of wood, really. And he loves it for some reason. We never figured out why. And so I went and got it and ended up holding it over my head and he climbed onto it. So then I'm holding on to a live prickly porcupine who's hungry and trying to just lo like lower myself down to the ground, like squatting and hoping that he doesn't fall off because then I am going to be in so much trouble. Uh, and then I got him on the ground and he ran right into his crate because he was clearly like, yeah, that was crazy, Aaron. Please don't do that again. Um, and that was one of my favorite moments that was just like, I know I ask you to trust in me a lot, Rico, but in that moment, I had to trust you so much, and I'm glad that paid off. And it was early on, and yeah, like in your relationship, yeah. and oh my gosh, that's <laughs> the things we do. <laughs> can, can I ask a question about porcupines? Mm -hmm. Being an avid cartoon watcher, do they really shoot their quills out at you? Uh, actually, this is an exercise we can do together okay. if you guys want to try. I'm ready. Um, and everyone listening at home can do this as well. Go ahead and shut your eyes. And uh, when I count to three, you can go ahead and shoot the hair out of your head into each other. One, two, three. No? I'm bald. <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> Sam! What happened? I'm kidding. Uh, no, so porcupine quills are just modified hair. It's made out of the same thing that our hair and fingernails are made of, which is called keratin. And they're basically loosely attached to the skin once they fully form. So it's actually really easy to pull a fully formed quill off of a porcupine. I do it with Rico a lot when he has one that's out of line. So most of his quills lay back in a very straight line and sometimes one gets crooked and I'll just pull it off of him. He doesn't even feel it. Uh, and that is basically because on the pointy end, they're built to go right into skin and then pull out easily from the skin of the porcupine, which allows them to make a quick getaway. Part of the reason I love porcupines is because they have that great defense mechanism, and so they don't really need to be super aggressive. They know that there aren't a lot of animals out there, humans included, that can mess with a porcupine and not immediately regret it. And so they tend to be just mellow fellows, and they're just super cool to hang out with. That is fun. Do they have predators, though? Are there animals that are going to hunt them that are successful, or how, how does that work? I'm sure many people listening have uh, known 
generally a black lab who has come across a porcupine and lost the fight. Um, there are predators of porcupines. They generally have to be smart enough to figure out that the belly po portion of the animal doesn't have quills on it. And so up here in North America, fisher cats are a pretty notorious predator of porcupines because they're able to flip them over and then um, get the meat that way. Um, but there aren't a ton. Once they're fully grown, there really aren't a lot of things that can take out uh, an adult porcupine. Unfortunately, you know, here and, and throughout civilization, uh, you know, cars are not their best friend. They, they don't see very well. They're usually out at night um, and they prefer to be up in the trees. So they do come across cars pretty, pretty often. And do they shake their quills as a warning or am I misremembering that? They can. And, you know, just like uh, if you're nervous about something and your hair kind of stands on end, um, they can make their hair sort of stand on end. Their quills will stand on end when they're nervous about something. And then they'll sort of whip around. It depends on the species of porcupine, their exact pattern that they do. Um, but their, their general strategy is to get you facing the back of them so that they you end up with all their their butt quills in you and then they can run away as fast as they can um, but they'll shake uh, they'll also Rico will shake off his quills if he feels that they're crooked or like misaligned okay. so sometimes just while we're playing and hanging out he'll kind of stand up and shake everything off and it sounds like a little maraca I was gonna say it sounds exactly like a maraca <laughs> yeah <laughs> I also find it funny how they just how their defensive mechanism works, and it totally makes sense. You know, you think an animal would charge at you if it was trying to defend themselves, but porcupines, their quills face backwards, so they're going to come at you butt first, yeah. <laughs> and they're going to bolt if they, you know, once they poke you. Yeah. So, peanut butter. Can we talk? <laughs> can we talk about Rico and peanut butter? Is that his favorite, or is that just our favorite to watch him eat? Okay, I will tell a secret that I'm sure when our nutritionist listens to this, she is going to be so mad at me. Uh -oh. But one time, and I promise it was just one time, I gave Rico a kick of lime Tostito and he loved it. <laughs> um, he lime. was, because it's like salty and oh, he loved it. Oh my gosh. So that is really his, he got like one quarter of one chip one time and that's, I think he still thinks about it at <laughs> night when he's talking about in his diary about things that happen that day he'll be like I missed my Tostito again today um, but peanut butter is so far up there and actually we give Rico uh, a little supplement which is very common with our with our animals throughout the zoo just vitamins and, and minerals and things that uh, just like we take sometimes um, so he gets a little supplement every day and we put it in peanut butter on a spoon and that has been probably the most commonly requested uh, video or you know cameo we're on cameo with him uh, that we get is please let Rico eat some peanut butter off a spoon because we just can't get enough of it and I agree now you mentioned cameos can you tell us a little bit more about that and what the process and are you the person that got it started for Rico and his fan club that he has yes well actually you know Jenna and Fiona sort of blew up the cameo spot first <laughs> and then it gave me a really nice incredibly high bar to follow <laughs> thousands upon thousands um, of cameos so we we decided that we thought that we had a, a willing audience who would want to have special messages from Rico um, and we had uh, some time and everyone these days has has our cell phone so we got onto cameo and uh, and, uh, and we do generally give him a little treat and let him kind of munch away while we talk about him and I'll give a little bit of information about him and 
record whatever well wishes that uh, that are requested of us, which is kind of cool. Yeah, so Cameo is a special app or a process where you can pay to have your favorite celebrity, in our cases, Fiona, Rico, I believe, Chris and Remus, you can have them send a message to yourself or a loved one, happy birthday, congratulations, all sorts of things, hope you have a great day. Um, and so basically you can pay to have a special personalized message from Rico sent to you. And sometimes you might get a video of him eating peanut butter. But yes. what are his other favorites? Is there anything else that you typically give him as a treat or that would be fun to see on a cameo or a video? Or... Yeah. So when I'm trying to think of, of treats that Rico can have, I think about just what porcupines like to eat in general. And it's mostly fruit and veg. And Rico really does love things that are crunchy and or sweet. Um, so banana chips, like dried banana chips, are also a very easy favorite, easy to come by. They're, they're good for him. Um, and we've done some dried fruits as well. He really likes dried kiwi. Um, yeah, and dried apricot. Um, peanut butter seems to be it. I've done frozen applesauce. He doesn't, he likes applesauce, but it, it's not as much fun as other things. So okay. I've frozen applesauce and given him like ice chunks of it before and he, he's into that. He likes to scrape his teeth on stuff. Oh yeah. Makes sense. Now, I don't know, I, sometimes, uh, you know, this is going to be a surprise for Jenna and Aaron. I like to prepare stuff, <laughs> fun little games. So if you are in the mood for it, you can challenge each other to your porcupine knowledge. <laughs> I'll lose, but I, <laughs> I love when you bring us games. I know, I, so I had I Jenna mean. go up against Steve Foltz and her native plant knowledge. Of oh, health. no. I got one right. She, I got, mean, she's doing, she did well. Not that he got it wrong, but I knew <laughs> one of the answers. <laughs> so I'm just going to ask questions here and there, and, and you can say it'll be like choice A or choice B. Okay. okay. Well, we'll start easy. The word porcupine means what in Latin? Big pointy or quill pig? Bring in all these Latin terms lately. <laughs> I mean, quill pig sounds correct to me. It is. Yeah. Aaron knows for there, sure. There, I was yeah. guessing. Aaron knows. Quill pig. A porcupine has approximately how many quills on its body? Let's see, it's Aaron might not know this one. Mm -mm. Is it 10,000 or about 30,000 quills? I don't know. It's a it, lot. That might depend on species, too. And Keep in mind, these are my little Google searches. So <laughs> I haven't cross-referenced them with Wikipedia, so all of my high school teachers would hate me about them right now. <laughs> and does it count? I mean, quills are technically hairs, so is it every hair on their body that counts as that quill? Which would make question. me go to 30,000. Or is it the ones that can actually get stuck in you? Then I would guess 10,000. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd go with 30,000, but I have no idea. And you were right. Yes, oh. it is 30,000. Okay. All right, here's, here's a fun one. And we're going to work with some nouns. So what is a baby porcupine called? And I, I won't even give you an option because I think you know this. This is my, probably my favorite word in the entire English language. Okay. It's a porcupet. Oh, I've heard that, but I couldn't think of it. That's oh, so cute. It's so good. <laughs> Do you know what the collective noun is for a porcupine and its mother when they're together? Oh, that's a is thing. Is this a new one? Do animals? Apparently it's a thing. I I did not know that. You're, I don't you're know. You're going to walk away with some new information. Yeah. A prickle. Oh, yes. No way. You made that up. <laughs> it probably is made up. It's so but cute. But we're going to make it catch on. <laughs> <laughs> I did always want to open up a... Porcupine only exhibit 
at whatever zoo at you know Cincinnati here or wherever and call it Prickle House oh and have it in the style of like a Swiss chalet and just have all the porcupines wandering around <laughs> chewing on the wood inevitably but I think that they would really love that I would I would be down for that yeah. I've always wanted to open a chinchilla habitat and call it Cincinnati <laughs> <laughs> but that's just me <laughs> So creative. Do you have a dream exhibit? <laughs> Not with a name. And catchy no. nickname? <laughs> I need to think of one. I'll have to come back next episode. Next episode. I mean, why don't we call uh, Hippo Cove Hippo Camp? Oh. Like that oh. part of the brain? Oh. 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 Yeah. You guys are good with that. <laughs> <laughs> Pun stuff. You get sponsored by a neurology group. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, the next few. They're a little bit easier, but maybe not. These are just random things that I found. Objects, you have to sit, tell me if they are sharp or not. <laughs> is this a going with the pointy aspect of Rico? Okay. An Oregon grape, is it sharp? A grape? An Oregon grape. Let's say the whole plant itself. Well, it just feels like a trick question, so I want to say yes, it's sharp. I agree. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> An Oregon grape is a shrub with small berries and really spiny leaves. Oh, no. Get yourself poked on that. What about a wild plum tree? Uh, yes, I would say sharp. Yes, does it have thorns to protect the plums? It actually does, yes. yeah. It's, it's a tree with thorny branches. I'm not creative or punny like you guys, but I got a little common sense. Yeah, you do. I'm just going against the, you know. The Chinese jujube. Oh, goodness. I'm going to say no because the last two were yes. <laughs> I'm going with Aaron. It's sharp. Wow. <laughs> it's a fruit-bearing tree with thorny branches again. Oh, man. Cheddar cheese. Is it sharp or not? <laughs> I don't like sharp. I like medium. <laughs> I like medium, too. But this is a sharp quiz. <laughs> Everyone at home is like, oh, dear. <laughs> Wait, but I, I thought you had something else special for us, too. Is now an appropriate time? I guess I can jump into that, yeah. Okay. Because, because it was cheddar cheese was sharp. And the last one that I had on the list was a glance. Have you ever been thrown a sharp glance? <laughs> Which is what I'm getting right now after that awful quiz. So, <laughs> from our viewers at home. <laughs> They're like, what is going on here? Okay, so, yeah, we do have something a little bit special. So, it is a bittersweet interview because it's actually Erin's last day here with us. So, she's, she's going back to Boston. So, so I did, I wrote her a little poem as, as, a, so as, nice, a, as a farewell gift. It's, it's not much. Don't get your hopes up here. Everyone get your hopes up. Very, I, very high. I am no Choster. I am no, <laughs> read some Keats. Watched some Buster Keaton. But all of his films are like no talking. So, <laughs> Dear Aaron O, you helped me with behind-the-scenes tours with Rico and Mo. While I'm sad to see you go, thank you for always bringing the magic faux show. <laughs> I just did a magic trick. I made a magic cane appear out of thin air. So that was, uh, <laughs> I, I bought this off Amazon last week and I've been using every excuse to use it at work as I have. <laughs> uh, a silver, is it metal? No, it, you're shrinking yeah, it's, it. It's, it's getting it's, smaller. It's metal, but it, it shrinks, it shrinks back up. So that's wow. the uh, best magic based poem that I have ever heard. So thank you so much for you are, that. You are so welcome. I don't know what's better, the quiz or the poem. The world will never know. So Aaron, 
I, I didn't know if we were bringing it up or not, that it's your last day. But tell us maybe just something, we don't want to get you too emotional, but the thing Yes, you do. That will bring in more <laughs> downloads. The thing you'll miss most about Rico, or your job in general, or Cincinnati Zoo. Or yeah. Just tell us anything else we haven't talked about that you'd like to bring up. Zookeeping is uh, an amazing profession. Uh, I've been very lucky to have been doing it for 15 years and really lucky that the Cincinnati Zoo took a chance on me five years ago, some unknown kid from Massachusetts. Uh, and uh, my, my favorite thing about zookeeping has, obviously the animals are great, but the people are incredible. Um, we have the staff here in every department, all throughout the zoo, are so dedicated and really good at what they do. Um, and they're all so passionate about our whole mission here that it's, um, it's been really cool to be able to work with people. I love to tell people when they ask me about becoming a zookeeper or working in zoos that the best thing about this profession is that no matter what you're good at, you can bring it to a zoo and we'll use it. Um, and so I have interns in the past who have been amazing artists, and we use that all the time. Um, I have had people who are really good at data, and we use that all the time. Um, people who are good at building things with their hands, and we use that. People who write beautiful poems and do magic tricks. Like, anything you are good at, you can bring to a zoo and use it to help animals. And that's, um, that's one of the coolest things that I've learned since being becoming a zookeeper. That's a really good point. I don't think I've ever really thought so much into that. But yeah, we do use all different types of talents and skills, and yeah, that's a really good point. I've also told everyone that the number one skill that I've learned as a zookeeper is I can cut seven grams of carrot every time, a first try. It will never come in handy in my life. I can't do it with the big amounts, I can't do it in pounds, but seven to eight grams of carrot every single time. It always feels so good when you get that, that Exactly right. right. Yes. You throw it on the scale, yeah. and someone's watching you sometimes and teach my interns, I'll show you, and then you do it. It feels, it's just the best feeling. It's like a little lottery win uh, that you can do hundreds of times a day. So catch Aaron on the next episode of Iron Chef. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll be making seven grams of carrot today. <laughs> like, she cut that exactly right. I've never seen that. <laughs> okay, Aaron, tell us, what can I do? How can I help porcupines or the world or be a better person? What's your what can I do? You're already a great person. Let's start with that. Um, believe in yourself. So there definitely... Porcupines get a bad rep as rodents and just as prickly, chewy animals. And so there are uh, a lot of human and porcupine conflicts. And that even happens here in Ohio, all over the United States, and, and all over the world, really. And so I would say the thing you can do is, is especially when dealing with your pest species, consider uh, things that deter animals or repel them instead of going straight to maybe traps or poison. Um, there, there are usually a lot of good alternatives that you can use to make sure the animals just don't want to bug you as much as, um, as, much as you bug them. Right, so there are a lot of different things that you can do that are a little bit safer for the animals or it just keeps them away in general. Hot sauce, um, at home I use these like ultrasonic... I, sh I don't know how to explain it great, but it's something you plug into the wall and it um, produces a noise that we can't hear, doesn't bother my dogs, but it keeps mice and rodents away. So always look into maybe safer or healthier options that are good for you and good for the environment because of course, 
poison is not great at all. It has multiple effects on animals smaller. Right. Yeah, and it'll affect even the animals unintended that you you know might be going for and it has unintended consequences that Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, trying to trying to deter them is, is always the better option. Do you have any other ideas of how to deter porcupines in, in particular? Yeah, actually, um, I've, I've read this tip. Uh, if you do have porcupines kind of bugging your, your backyard deck or maybe your hoses, it's very common for them to go after hoses. Um, you can actually put uh, your sprinkler on a random timer or a motion sensor. Oh. Because um, porcupines do not like getting wet. Um, so, so that can be something that will help you out. The hot sauce, they definitely don't like anything that's too spicy, so capsaicin um, can, can definitely help with that. And then the best way to prevent rodents is, or prevent pest species is really just deprive them the opportunity to find food or things to chew on. So keeping your food locked up at night is, is always a good thing. Yes, great information. Thank you so much for coming here on your last day. Yes. We have Erin with us on a very special day. She is done so much for the zoo and the interpretive department and we are so grateful to have had her. Um, I've definitely looked up to you over the years and you are wonderful and we'll be so sad to see you go but we wish you the best. And I think Jenna should have wrote the poem because her words are so much more <laughs> <laughs> success. Erin <laughs> so truly is great with people and um, helping all of us you know stay positive and a wonderful leader so um, you will be very very missed. Yes. And Again, we wish you luck, and thank you so much for coming and spending yeah. part of your last day here with us. You guys are so sweet, and I will come back anytime and talk about any animals you want, even when I don't work here anymore. <laughs> okay, I don't care. Good. I'll call in. This will <laughs> be great. Let us know next time you visit. We'll <laughs> yeah. Catch us on next week's episode when we find a live video in Rico's house that's linked to Aaron's home. <laughs> Just so we can chat. No yeah. big deal. She'll be zooming in for seven hours FaceTime. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm Jenna. I'm Sam. And this is Cincinnati Zoo Tales. <laughs>